This is exactly right. If you're a fan of meticulously crafted worlds that reimagine every little detail, then you'll enjoy the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Host Eric Malinsky spent over a decade working in public radio and uses those skills to create a sound-rich podcast that features interviews with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, the writers of hit TV shows like Star Trek Strange New Worlds, designers of games like Magic the Gathering, and the puppeteer who designed Miss Piggy. You can find Imaginary Worlds wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Daniel Henderson. And we're doing another one of these damn podcast episodes for you, all about film. So, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Um, <laughs> let me just tell you, I think I speak for Danielle and I. Um, we got a lot of shit going on right now in our lives. <laughs> this is some chaos to the extreme this week. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, I know a lot of times we come to the episode and we have like, you know, pretty much it's pretty easy breezy week. We're talking about garbage trucks going 55 down the freeway. <laughs> We're talking about sweatpants, but this can't happen this week, folks. We cannot give you the minutia of our lives because we simply have too much shit going on. <laughs> I am in a hotel room with my cat who's currently trying to crawl into the ice bucket. And that's just <laughs> the way it is. <laughs> broke my mic stand as soon as i got here and there's a child talking in the hallway who sounds like a ghost so that's all i can give you this week there's too much going on danielle (laughs) cut her foot basically she's she's lewis from deliverance on the banks of the river with her foot elevated i mean it's a mess right now folks. that is actually a good metaphor today i definitely went down a roaring rapids of a river and just had like the meatiest leg break of all time. And now I'm just <laughs> at the bottom of a gorge. That is today in a fucking nutshell. But it's cool because we're just going to talk about some uh, some dad stuff. We are because guess what? Father's Day is right around the corner. It's this weekend. And you know us. We love a good holiday. We love a good holiday theme. So why don't we get into the topic this week what is our theme for this week our theme very aptly timed is robot dads (laughs) damn i love a good robot dad yes i've been waiting to do this episode for months very happy to be talking about these films today (laughs) yes because i don't know if you've heard this or not You should have if you're a Stitcher Premium subscriber, but we just recently did a bonus episode all about our favorite action movies, and it's a topic that we love to talk about, and, you know, Danielle grew up watching action movies, duh, you know who her grandma is, so of course (laughs) she knows a little something about action movies, Um, and there was a couple of movies that... um, you know, I, I was like, oh, should I talk about this movie right now? But I'm like, no, because I want to save it for an episode. Yes. And that's what we got today is one of those. Oh, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I did the same thing. I'm like, oh, we could, but we should hold it. Well, and also, too, like um, for me, I love 
um, th- these two movies that we're going to talk about today, because one I will say is definitely a, is an actual dad, <laughs> like an <laughs> actual robot dad. <laughs> the other one is sort of like a dad replacement figure, not a not a stepdad necessarily. Maybe <laughs> we don't we don't really know. But is it a dad like role? And is also a robot. <laughs> so <laughs> we should let's just tell what the movies are because they're gonna be like, is she having a stroke? She just said this is a hard week. Maybe there should be some medical intervention. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Tell them- <laughs> but there is a scene in this film that made me say the exact same thing basically out loud. So yeah. I think we should just jump into your movie. Let's do it. Okay. I'm going first this week. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Well, happy Father's Day to <laughs> robots and non-robot fathers. Um, my movie for the theme of Robot Dads is a movie from 1991, the great year 1991. It was produced, directed, and co-written by James Cameron. And it's called Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. I don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now, his mission... Get down. ...is to protect it. Ah! Come with me if you want to live. Oh, my God. The fact that James Cameron also co-wrote this says a lot to me. (laughs) Listen. This is going to have to be for a bonus episode, but I went down this total Wikipedia research hole about James Cameron and Lim- and Linda Hamilton about how they met. And I was like, shook. I was <laughs> fucking shook by all the information that I There's read about. There's a lot. There's it so is. much. Um, so I, I know I bro- this is the, one of the movies that I brought up in our um, bonus episode about action movies. And I think I might have, I don't think I said this in that episode, but I will say it now. This was truly the action movie of my youth. Oh, absolutely. You could not escape this. And movie. I know that the, again, there, this year, this whole era of the 89 to 91-ish, the gleaming the cube era. So this was like a fertile time for, for us. And of course, this movie, I mean... I was a 12-year-old girl obsessed with Guns N' Roses. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Who did a song called You Could Be Mine. It was for this film. And there was a music video starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator who shows up at a Guns N' Roses concert. As you do. (laughs) You got the you got the pants. You got the leather pants. You might as well show up at a Guns N' Roses concert. Exactly. And I was like, I must see this movie at all costs. And when I first saw it, I was immediately obsessed with Eddie Furlong because who wouldn't? That tracks. That tracks. Okay. <laughs> Think of the time frame we're in. I mean, listen, my friend Karen and I watched this movie on VHS like every day after school for like months and we eddie furlong was like the only guy for me in this era and i became obsessed with this movie i loved it so much and 
not just the Guns N' Roses and the Eddie Furlong stuff, but I came out of it with this like newfound love, I will say, for superstar action movie hero Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is as surprising to you as it was to me. <laughs> and he, he was in his prime. Absolutely. It must be said at this moment. This is pre-governor. This is pre a lot of shit. Yes. He was in his goddamn prime. You could tell from the minute he's squatting down in this little circle, little fire circle that he was born into. He was bodily and probably financially and probably, I don't even know why I'm talking about his finances. <laughs> he was in his prime. Let's... This was his career moment. Absolutely. I mean, he had a string of hits around this era. And here's the thing. Like, I know it might seem a little unconventional to talk about a sequel, right, as a standalone title. But I I will argue that Terminator 2 was not only a better movie than the first Terminator, but it was also more successful. I mean, it basically yeah. like it became this like pioneer film for special effects. It won multiple Oscars the year that it came out for all these sound and visual effects. And it was the highest grossing movie that Schwarzenegger ever did. And he was like already super famous. But I mean, this was like, you know, he was the king really at this time. And and I'm and I'm really I feel like I'm setting my bias aside because I actually did see Terminator 2 before I saw the first one. Okay? I did too. I had seen maybe you know, I can't even recall seeing a Schwarzenegger movie on my own before seeing Terminator 2. I mean, obviously I knew that he was in Commando and like all these other things that that predated Terminator 2, but I had not I didn't see the first Terminator until a few years later. Yeah, so it came out in 84. Was that the first one? And I won't say I was too young because, you know, my family doesn't act right. And they would show me anything at any age. But it wasn't interesting to me because I'm like, what is it was it wasn't it wasn't hard sci fi enough, but it also wasn't like entertaining story enough for me to give a shit when it was on TV. So I just never watched it. And at that time, there was a there was a lot of action happening, like a lot of movies coming out with like, you know, different types of action movie stars and different scenarios. And so I don't know, like it, it can get a little confusing when you've got like Predator, Terminator, Commando, like, you know, it's a lot of like one named action, <laughs> one named title action movies. Um, but I'm just saying by by revealing this information i'm saying that i didn't know anything about the origin story for you know when i watched terminator 2 i didn't know anything about skynet and all this other stuff and i managed to still be completely obsessed and mesmerized by it which i think says a lot about terminator 2 being as good of a movie as it is it's amazing i agree it says a lot because it also it does the setup without making it so overwrought But then again, it's like this cannot and this cannot be stressed enough. This movie was at the height of special effects for its time. Totally. Even if you look at it now and you're like, what? It was at the height of the special effects that were available to us at that time. So when I say to you how shocking it was that Arnold wasn't the bad guy, and that the bad guy ended up being that weirdly bad. Yes. It blew minds. Like people gasped. There were people freaking out. 
and trying not to reveal the secret or talk about, you know, but it was a moment. Uh, absolutely. Here's a, here's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to attempt to give a very basic, very <laughs> dumb outline of the Terminator franchise. And I will maybe spoil the first movie for you. Good. So if you don't, if you want to watch a movie from 1984 and don't want spoilers, then you need to fast forward this part or just turn off the episode because I'm about to spoil Terminator. Um, but I'm hoping that this will kind of just orient what I have to say about Terminator 2. That's but, but and and I'm not going to get everything, so I don't need the Terminator completist to come into my mentions and be like, "You missed the nuance of the Cyberdyne." Blah blah blah. Fuck it. Like <laughs> we're just going to give you a very brief synopsis. So the concept of Terminator is in the future, quote unquote, the future, a technology firm called Cyberdyne Systems creates this artificial intelligence slash supercomputer slash robot network which is called skynet okay it was originally supposed to be used by the department of defense but of course all hell breaks loose all right solid that is such a solid synopsis to further this a little bit more for t2 judgment day it goes rogue it develops its own self-awareness and eventually it creates a nuclear war known as judgment day okay so out of the people that survive there's a man named john connor who rises up and becomes a leader of the human resistance to skynet and they at some point way in the future way 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 in the future they manage to battle and defeat Skynet in the year 2029, which is just around the corner, if you ask me. However, that did not stop Skynet from sending Terminators, a.k.a. killer cyborgs, back in time to try to kill John Connor so that they can win instead. And in the first Terminator film, you got a young waitress living in Los Angeles, California, named Sarah Connor, who was played by Linda Hamilton. More about her later. She finds out in the first Terminator that her unborn son is John Connor. And in the first movie, a Terminator known as the T-101, who is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's sent to kill Sarah Connor so she will not give birth to John Connor. Okay. I mean, that's just smart. <laughs> that's just good very, planning. <laughs> very smart. And as I will reveal in a moment, John Connor is fucking smart. And he sends his own motherfuckers back too, <laughs> because Skynet's sending all these robots back to kill John Connor. But John Connor's like, there's some fuck shit happening. I'm going to send one of my people back, a human resistance fighter, to save his mom from the Terminator, who's trying to kill her. And it, the guy's name is Kyle Reese, and it turns out that Kyle Reese will have sex with Sarah Connor. And will effectively be John Connor's dad. Okay. So his dad is Kyle Reese, right? He sends his own dad back in time <laughs> to create him. Yes. That is so intense. I don't think this movie spends enough time with that in either in any film. 
Listen, we're talking about dads today, and I'm like, yo, that is an origin story to end all origin stories. If you got it, if you want to cut down to brass tacks, because I'm like, huh, would I have sent my own dad back in time to save my mom? And I hadn't even been born yet. That's that's weird. But now I'm fighting with my dad. I, I don't know. It's very it's kind of confusing. I'm sure other people have talked about this and can speak to it better than I can. But oh, anyway. there are Venn diagrams and <laughs> like you wouldn't believe I'm sure out there. But yeah. yeah. But I have to say. R.I.P. Kyle Reese, because he's killed <laughs> in the first Terminator movie. And what ends up happening is Sarah Connor herself must smash the Terminator in a hydraulic press in a spooky warehouse at the end of the movie. Who hasn't been there? And it kills the Terminator. Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger as the T-101. So now we'll begin at Terminator 2. And this is the scenario. Sarah Connor has given birth and she is in full-on resistance fighter mode, man. She is. She has been preparing for this Judgment Day since 1984. And trying to get her now 10-year-old son into the vibe that he is going to be the leader of the free world at some point against the robot uprising. Okay. <laughs> but at the beginning of T2 judgment day, she is in a state hospital. As it turns out, she was trying to blow up a computer building or something like that. And she got busted. And now she's in a state hospital where the psychiatrist from the first movie is like observing her and keeping her in solitary and all that stuff. So John Connor is 10. He's living with foster parents in Los Angeles and he spends his days causing trouble, <laughs> stealing money out of ATM machines, riding his dirt bike around LA with his best friend, Bobby Budnick from Salute Your Shorts. He's living that kid life. And wouldn't you know, Skynet is back and has sent a new Terminator to kill John Connor. And it's not the old school model. It's an upgrade. It's a T-1000 who is played by Robert Patrick, TV's John Doggett from later seasons of the X-Files, if you didn't know, amongst other things. Um, but guess what? This robot is made of liquid metal. I mean, come on. He's fucking unstoppable. Let's just say <laughs> He's that. He's an unstoppable killing machine. <laughs> They they try to blow him up and he just like bloop, 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 comes back together. <laughs> I mean, how the fuck? This model is wild. You can't shoot uh, him. You can't freeze him. You can't do anything to this dude. Yeah. And this guy, Robert Patrick is fucking selling this shit to the hilt. He is dressed like a police officer. He's doing permanent blue steel mode. Like yep. he's just caught his face is like a dagger. And he is seemingly unstoppable. And he can take on the faces of other people. He can adapt. Yeah. He can just like touch somebody and that and become that person. And then the, that person is dead. <laughs> um, and he does it multiple times in the movie. And I, this is where I got to say, I in, tw in 2021 eyes, the graphics, the effects in this movie are still killer. I was like, I know this was 1991, but shit like this, this still hits like, yeah. This looks great. I'm telling you, it blew minds for a reason. Yeah. That blade arm, blade arms is all I want to talk about when we talk about this movie. We all see right. blade arms several times in several iterations. 
and it blows me away every time. I'm like, this motherfucker loves to turn his arms into machetes. <laughs> Yo, every like even it had been a minute since I've seen this movie, but that scene where he threw the milk, the milk carton in the kitchen. Damn, T-1000. What the fuck? Or that little that pointer one where he just like <sighs> that really sharp one where he's like, me, I'm pointing at you. Oops, my whole finger just grew by a two feet and it's sharp as shit. and It's liquid nitrogen and there's nothing you can do about it. And you're dead. Yeah. And he gets up near people's eyeballs like it's like a fucking <laughs> Jalo movie. I mean, it's terrifying. <laughs> I was like, damn, don't get that razor blade near my face. But oh, shit. let me just tell you. John Connor is one smart cookie because he fucking was like, listen, let me reprogram that T-101 from the first movie to protect me. And guess what? This guy looks exactly like Arnold Schwarzenegger from the first Terminator movie. Huh? Really interesting. Same model. And here's where I want to get into this new Jack 101 model, because Arnold in the first movie as the Terminator was evil as hell. <laughs> but now in this movie, he's the good robot and he's sent by John Connor to protect John and Sarah. And first of all, this is no ordinary machine we're talking about. OK, he arrives naked as the robots do when they're <laughs> traveling through time. They show up in like a parking lot with no fucking clothes on. The atmosphere is hot. You can't just you can leave with clothes, but you are not showing up with clothes. Well, and let me ask you, because I know that you're a writer and I know that you have dabbled in science fiction. Is that a common thing for time travel? Like, are you not allowed to wear clothes in time travel? Do you show up wherever you are naked for a reason? Or is that just this thing? It is dealer's choice. And I feel like whoever, like the, the people who wrote <laughs> <laughs> look if you're doing real sci-fi you will find a way for people to do whatever you fucking want and if you want them to wear clothes you're gonna write about them wearing clothes and showing up with a parka on and it's fine terminator writers were like uh-uh full neckies we're seeing them legs <laughs> we're gonna have them crouching down where one one small movement and you're in balls city that was a fucking choice I know, because I was like, all right, James Cameron, let me give him a little bit of something for knowing that Arnold's body is sick as hell and was like, I want to see them cakes when he shows up at the beginning of this movie in both movies, in both movies. He's we got to see them cakes. He arrives naked at a truck stop in at the beginning of T2 and he walks into this biker bar and he comes out looking like a motherfucking badass. <laughs> to the point where they simply must play George Thorogood's Bad to the Bone. Okay. This is what I mean about James Cameron writing this shit. There were so many like Rodney Dangerfield moments in this movie that I never picked up on before this viewing. And that is one of them where he's like total grandpa humor throughout and i appreciated it but i also noticed it <laughs> listen i'm gonna i'm gonna get into the interplay between john connor and his friendly robot in just a second <laughs> and this listen but what i'm about to say right now this is gonna be wildly controversial for some but i must speak my truth on the matter and that is arnold is fucking hot as the reprogrammed good terminator 
I'm sorry. Look, don't be sorry. Like you, you take you take a baddie, you make them good. What do you expect? You're going to see them cakes. You're going to see them thighs. <laughs> he in order to fit into the clothes that he needs to wear in this film, they have him approaching a man who's I won't even say a quarter of the size of him. <laughs> The pants are swimming on this man, the, the shirt, everything, the jacket, because Arnold is ripped the fuck up. His thighs are the size of an actual like lamppost. They're tree trunk legs. And listen, this was seven years, right? Six or seven years, seven years between movies. Yeah. And he still looks fucking good enough to be completely naked yeah. at a truck stop. And he wasn't like too jacked. Do you know how sometimes people are like, yep. I'm going to do I'm, I'm, I'm muscular and I'm going to get even more muscular. He kind of kept it lean like he kept it yeah. on point. Absolutely. And, and dare I say, he's got a little age in his face. He's not like the pumping iron version of Arnold where he's like young and cocky and like, you know, he's uh, totally stacked. He's he's stacked, but he's got a little age to him and he's like you know, wearing the boots and the pants. They gave him a little personality upgrade, like little John Connors teaching him how to talk like a wayward teen from LA. And at some point, I don't know how this is possible, but he figures out like how to smirk and like look cool <laughs> before like doing badass action movie shit. Like I'm like, wow, that computer is amazing. He goes from, there's genuinely a point where John's crying and he goes, what is wrong with your eyes <laughs> to like smirking and like speaking colloquialisms. This motherfucker is he, he will adapt. This model <laughs> might be an old model, but he is adaptable. You can teach an old dog new tricks. You can program an old <laughs> robot in new ways. By the end of this movie, he's like making, I got to take a vacation jokes. Like Thank he's got you. bars at the end of this movie. And I'm like, <laughs> he learned a lot. <laughs> Although I got to say when, when little baby John Connor, is teaching him some slang. I sincerely wish that later Dickwad replaced Asta La Vista Baby. Like that's uh, the one they went with. But yeah. he also was like, yeah, just say later Dickwad, which I fucking love from this 10 year old little twerp. It was so funny. And I'm like, please just let the Terminator say later Dickwad. Let that be the catchphrase. If I go back in time, if somebody sends me back in time to impregnate my own self, my catchphrase will be later dickwad. <laughs> also, I cannot believe this kid is 10 in this movie. I okay. really paid attention to that this time. I'm like, wait, he's 10 and Sarah Connor is supposed to be 29? Good Lord. I was like, really? I mean, I'm like, I, I think this has to be just our age right now because I was like, wow, they're young as shit. Yeah. Like, how is that possible? That's so crazy. I had no clue. I, mean, I, re I read something about because um, I also did a deep dive while I had the chance for yes. this film. <laughs> and I read something that was like Edward Furlong was so tiny that his stunt double, they used the tiniest stunt double they could find. And they still just had to use like a... Um, they had to make the bike, the dirt bike, double size so they could like do the perspective shift they needed to make it look like him because he was he was a child. He was a tiny baby child. Yes. Yes. I mean, and he's great. He carried this shit. I mean, he was just that little shit that you expect, that little snarky, like running around, stealing money, like, you know, teaching a robot how to say no problemo and <laughs> like all this stuff. He was perfect for that. I mean, so perfect. Just fearless and wonderful. Yeah, he's great. Um, 
So I will say this too about this movie is that at some point, Sarah and John and their Terminator, they're on the run from the T-1000, but they're also trying to get this like Cyberdyne engineer named Miles Bennett Dyson, who is played by Eli Pope himself, Joe Morton, Olivia Pope's dad, as we all know him. Brother from another planet. Yes. I mean, he's been in many, many things, but <laughs> but that is his crowning achievement. <laughs> yeah, I love him as Papa Pope. He's oh, so good. Acting for the EGOT at all times on that show. I love it. <laughs> um, basically, they need to go to Dyson to say, by the way, you're responsible for the execution of the human race. So you have to destroy the shit that you've been working on. OK, because what you do will eventually become Skynet and they are responsible for a nuclear holocaust. So let's throw your shit in a fire. OK, how about you end this? And the reason he's only the only reason he's able to even develop this technology is because when Sarah Connor, again, snake eating its own tail, when Sarah Connor crushed the first one in 1984 the first terminator Mm -hmm. she left an arm behind and a computer chip and they were like you know you can't be leaving parts you got to get rid of the whole fucking the whole elephant exactly exactly because he took that little arm and that little little bitty thing and he created a (laughs) entire (laughs) robot human war so just say clean up your shit come on um the other thing that's (laughs) happening as they're trying to outrun the liquid metal cop as i've been calling him since 1991 they become this like little family unit right because john's real father kyle reese dies in the first one but john is immediately he takes a shine to this terminator that he sent himself and he starts talking to the robot and telling the robot his problems and they have inside jokes i mean at this point John Connor and the Terminator are starring in like the Paper Moon sequel. Okay. (laughs) Like they're like, they got like a whole vibe going. And even Sarah Connor notices. And he's like, and she, there's this like entire speech in the film where she's like, you know, oh my God, it's like I'm watching my son interact with this Terminator and it's like a father son thing. and, And it's like this crazy circumstance, which is crazy. Because a dude who looks exactly like him tried to kill her in the first movie. Thank so you. It went from zero to 100 real quick. And she got real wistful about this shit. She's like, <laughs> this is a father who would never hit him. And I'm like, who the fuck have you been hanging out with while you're trying to learn how to do combat? She got real wistful real quick about this killing machine who tried to end her life 10 years before. She made that mental leap very quickly. And of course, there's a final showdown, as there always is, with the liquid metal cop. And guess what? It's in another spooky warehouse. And I'm not going to spoil the film, but you know, this whole weird kind of father son relationship between the Terminator and John Connor, it plays out in this very dramatic way. And I know it's pop culture legend at this point, but I'm, not, I'm still not going to spoil it. But I will say that you leave the theater wondering, how did we hate this robot in the first movie? What a cool guy. I wish he was my dad. (laughs) Ultimate twist. Ultimate twist. And look, if your choices of father figure in this film is a reformed robot or 
a motherfucker who can turn into a floor. Because even 20 years later, when that bitch turns into a floor, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding with this shit. You made the right choice. You made the right choice. He is too devious. You can't have a robot dad that can just like wonder twins fucking turn into a bucket of water whenever the shit he wants. He's got to be there for you in a real way. Yeah. This T-1000, I'm like, they're not going to be able to kill this motherfucker. What? He's a floor. How is that going to happen? He's just going to keep turning into floors and he can eat them up. If they just walk across the floor, he can just chomp them. That's how he does. That's how he do. That's how he do. (laughs) He's like, I dare you to come close to me. I'm going to wrap my liquid shit around you. And now you're me. Like, that's just it. That's how he he do it. It's a fuck the fuck up. And again, got to say, I left this theater when I saw this film. All those years ago. You it was impossible for you to go into that movie thinking there was going to be any kind of clear, clear or clean resolution. Yeah. And this unstoppable liquid fucking thermometer man, he had he has it all working for him. That's all I got to say. He's got all the cards, all the cards. But you know what? This movie as an action film, so exciting. Even watching it again, all the old feelings came back. I mean, the action sequences are incredible. The whole chase sequence with like the dirt bike in like the LA river thing Uh, is so sick. I just, I mean, at that moment I was like, Arnold is the King, like riding that motorcycle, doing the like shotgun twirl thing. I'm like, uh, yo, my guy, he is tough as fuck in that moment. And I obviously will mention at the end of this, Linda Hamilton. Thank you. Okay. Obviously so much has been said about like her physique in this movie. But she is a tried and true action star. This movie proves it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Watching her kick ass is a thrill. She is incredible. She is the icon that we all need and want. When she's doing pull-ups in that hot, I mean, I was like, yes, ma'am. I love it. My favorite part of that scene is she's, she has as a patient at this hospital, Turned, taken off her mattress, turned her bed frame like perpendicular to the floor so she can do these pull ups. And then as her psychiatrist is leaving, he's like, I don't know if we should let them do that to the furniture. You should give her some more Thorazine. And I'm like, look at her. Thorazine ain't going to help you. Thorazine ain't going to help you. You turn it over beds to get to this business of killing robots. (laughs) You can pump her full of everything you want. She is determined. She is an incredible action star. I think she is. Look, I think she's been done dirty by the world, by the biz. Mm -hmm. But I do remember when this movie came out, people could not stop talking about how how her body looked. Yeah. I could not stop thinking about how mean and cool she was. Oh man. (laughs) She was the whole package. Like she in that out when those outfits when she's wearing that like tank top, that black pants, smoking cigarettes with the aviators. I mean, I was like, I will follow her anywhere. She's incredible. And like, I, yeah, like you said, I was reading an article about her. I think it was from like maybe two years ago or three years ago where she kind of like talks about leaving the business. And, you know, I think she was she was offered a lot of action movies after this. And she was just kind of like, I don't want to be typecast. And, you know, I think that she's like 
she went through a lot. And, you know, I think now she's kind of done some acting. But man, I mean, she is an icon, a fucking legend. I mean, Sarah Connor is like the most one of the most iconic action stars ever. And certainly made an impression on me when I was 12. Like I was like, damn, like this is my queen. So and I'm not even a gun person. I could watch her one handed pump a shotgun for 17 hours straight. Listen, like just that. Absolutely. The the ending, which I'm not giving away, is iconic. I was cheering. I was crying. It's this movie is incredible. And you know, as a ro- a robot dad, the reprogrammed Terminator is one of the best. Beautiful, beautiful pick. I'm so <laughs> on board. And again, choice of robot dads. I'm in. <laughs> Oh my God, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for your movie. Okay, we're doing it. We in it now. So <laughs> for my pick for Robot Dads, our theme, I went with a movie very dear to my heart, very important in my life. It was directed by Paul Verhoeven. It was <laughs> released in 1987 and it's called RoboCop. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you RoboCop. There are so many film podcasts out there for you if you want to dig into Paul Verhoeven's incredible work as a director. Mm -hmm. We're talking not just RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers. You Mm -hmm. just go right on ahead and dig in. He was originally born in Amsterdam. Um, I think his dad was a hat maker. Like, just go for it. Just knock yourself out. Get into that life. I'm here to talk about fucking RoboCop. And here's why. (laughs) I'll give you a very brief synopsis. You know, I've been trying to do my one sentence synopsis. Synopsis? Synopsize. We're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So RoboCop, the premise of RoboCop is that a cop in Detroit gets murdered and then they slice off his face and parts out his body and turn him into a robot death machine for the Detroit PD. But he's also kind of working for this evil company called Omni Consumer Products, OCP. Okay, Mm -hmm. so they, they kill him and they think they've wiped his memory. They think they've just made this machine. Well, surprise, surprise. So when we first get into this, first of all, the cast, incredible, incredible. Nancy Allen. Oh, Nancy Allen. What a run. What a run she had. And we've talked about Nancy Allen before when we talked about Carrie, (laughs) but she plays a cop named Lewis and she's paired up with uh, Murphy, who's the RoboCop, played by Peter Weller, on his first day in this new precinct. And I think they're matched up because they have the same hairstyle. But ah! <laughs> look, I've been paired up with people for less. <laughs> and they're really doing this thing where they're talking about Detroit. Even though this movie is so clearly filmed in Dallas, it's not even funny. <laughs> But they're doing they're talking about Detroit like it's this crime ridden cesspool and they're Mm -hmm. trying to clean it up because, you know, OCP and all these companies want to turn downtown Detroit into like this this haven. So they've got to clear up the crime first. And there's so much setup. This is this movie is an hour and a half long. 
the first 30 minutes are all set up. Like that's how important it is to get into how crime ridden this place is. It is wild. So they're trying to do this structure in old Detroit and they're kind of like, you know what we need? We need a super cop. We need a super cop who can handle this. So OCP, who is OCP is run by this guy named Dick Jones. He's not the first in charge. He always he'll always remind you like he's number two. He's like, I'm the second guy. I'm second guy in charge. Um, Well, Dick Jones in a meeting right at the top of the movie rolls out this machine called the Ed 209. And the Ed 209 looks like a giant microphone with legs, but it also has machine gun arms. And somehow shit goes wrong when he tries to test it out and he just ends up murdering an executive. No big deal. Let me just roll out this machine gun. And also his name is Ed. Like, come on. Can you imagine if you went to work that day and was like, oh, we're going to hear about this like new product. You know, I got to I got to make it to the boardroom. Um, They're going to have snacks. We're going to get a seat around this big table. And then a fucking killing machine malfunctions and sprays bullets throughout this meeting that I was in. I mean, like. Can you imagine that? For so long. He got shot for so many minutes. (laughs) This thing did not stop. (laughs) That was not supposed to be his day at all. And they're like, how about you get killed a lot today (laughs) instead of any of that that you were going to do? (laughs) And I love the reaction because the reaction is just like, ah, fuck. And this thing's standing there. This (laughs) Edge 209 is standing there. The machine gun arms like plumes of smoke. That's how much this guy got shot. Just plumes of smoke rising from these arms. And they're like, God damn it. We wanted a cop that was a robot. And I'm like, that dude just got murdered a lot. And you're just like, so this is where Miguel Ferrer, rest in peace, steps in and is like, look, in my old job, we kind of already developed a robot cop. You want in? And Dick Jones is like, yup, sold, do it. So he gets rising through the ranks of this company pretty quickly because he's just like, we've got it done. Like the prototype is ready to go. We're just waiting for, as he puts it, a volunteer. Yeah, he's like a he's like a coked out tech bro. If you oh can imagine, gosh. he's like totally high key, but definitely like a prototype for like a Silicon Valley motherfucker. He is. He's real creepy. He's like really creepy, but he's also like. He's so energetic about such bullshit that it just makes me nervous. Like he's got that kind yes. of nervous energy where I'm like, you Ugh. need to calm down. Like, I feel like you're going to like jump in the air and leap on my back. Like, I don't need this much excitement from you. Yeah. He's like major testosterone. I'm like, oh, major me, dude. Well, he goes ahead and he's like, look, let's go ahead and make this robot. And they need it because there's a gang of toughs running around the city. <laughs> Run by Kurtwood Smith, who younger, younger listeners will know as the dad from that 70s show. But you know what Kurtwood Smith looks like, right? He's the gang leader. His name's Clarence Boddicker. He's the gang leader. We've also got Ray Wise. Again, Laura Palmer's dad. Yeah, to some of our listeners. And Paul McCrane, who we talked about in the fame episode, the weirdest mohawk I've ever seen. Montgomery from fame Montgomery being this fame. weird crew. <laughs> Total creep zone crew. And then you've got this guy with this insane laugh that is so fucking funny. So Lewis and Murphy, <laughs> this is like his first day on the job. And he's talking about how he does this gun twirl because his kid likes it because he's a dad. He's a dad who's a cop who goes to work for his yeah. family. 
So they go and bust in on uh, Boddicker and his crew, and Murphy gets murdered so hard. First, they shoot his hand off. Then they shoot his arm off. And P.S., he does not scream while any of that's happening. He only starts screaming when they start pumping bullets in him the way that guy in the executive boardroom died. He's like, my hand? Cool. Like, I'm too shocked to say anything. My arm? Oh, that sucks. 95 bullets. Ah! And he <laughs> dies for like two solid minutes on screen. And, and Lewis's partner is looking at him the whole time like, oh, dip. Because she yeah. wasn't there to back him up because she got distracted by a dick. Look, it happened to the best of us. Look, this if she hadn't looked, this movie wouldn't exist. Let's get serious. Thank you. Thank you. Because she she rolled up on one of the criminals in this warehouse while he was taking a leak. And she, he turned around and he's like, can I zip this up? And she just had to look down. And that's when he got her and he pushed her off the side of this railing and she was down for the count. So this is why RoboCop exists, because she looked at a dick. I'm going yes. on record with it and I don't care what you have to say. That's how I feel. It's fact. And dicks come back. Dicks are prominent with RoboCop somehow. Uh huh. Dicks are prominent. So Murphy's down for the count. We see the light going out of his eyes. He's reliving some of his fame, his, his, you know, he's got that, that, that long arm of death kind of reviewing the moments of your life. So mm-hmm. many of the moments of his life happened within the last day, just to keep us up to date. Yes. Like we don't see any childhood moments or like, we don't know if he was a dog when he was a kid. She's like, yeah, yesterday when you left for work, like that yeah. is what's front of mind now that you're on this table with armless and dying. Yes. And the next time he wakes up, he's a damn computer and he's got people partying around him and kissing his little robot face. And he is just like full robot, like and that old 80s style, like green grid robot. Yes. Oh, low rent, low rent. Yeah. But he looks cool as hell. And he's got a holster in his leg. So when he twirls his gun and does his trick, which is how when he goes back to the precinct, that's how Lewis knows. That's my old partner because he does the gun trick and he puts it in his leg. And I'm like, you know what? That's just industrious. That's just smart thinking. That's using the space you got. Yeah. Maybe that coked out tech bro knew what he was doing. (laughs) Hate to admit it. Look, he takes a look and he keeps on ticking. We're going to see him later in the film when he finally takes his helmet off. And it is a mess. What they (laughs) They, they did not consider aesthetics at all. When they put this shit together. I will say they kept his beautiful eyes. Robocop's beautiful eyes. And then they sliced his hair right off his head. (laughs) Like your ears and your hair. They gotta go. Let's keep your eyes and most of your face. But the rest of this shit gotta go. But he's he goes right out. You know, he look, they, they set him up and they're like, look, Robocop. Here's what he needs to survive. He needs to sit in a high chair and eat baby food at the end of every night. It's a special high chair we've made for him and he's going to eat this slurry (laughs) and that'll keep him going for years. (laughs) That'll just keep him lubed up and ready to fucking rock. God, I I never understood why he needed to eat organic matter. Like, can you just like, you know, skip, you just really just have to make an adjustment. You can just power him some different way. Baby food doesn't need to happen. Unless I'm wrong about that. Don't get, don't come into my mentions, Robocop fans. All I'm saying is move some ones and twos so this man doesn't have to eat at all. Because <laughs> now, that he's got the, now that he's got the slurry, what did I think of as a child instantly that nobody could answer, especially my grandmother after the 10th time I asked her, does Robocop poop? She didn't know. Nobody knows. And I'm like, how are you going to put this shit in him? And he's not pooping it out. 
There you go. Not how it works. So if they can put like a filtration system in there for poop, they can make it so he doesn't have to eat this shit at all. But he's loving it. He's like, you know what? Solid. I will sit in this chair. I will recharge my organic matter and my electronic and you know my other matter. And then he goes out on the street and he starts fucking some shit up pretty, pretty early on. Favorite part. And I know you know this because mm-hmm. we literally own the T-shirt. I do. Is when he's saving a woman who's being assaulted by two men. And he rolls up, which P.S. I cannot believe he also just drives a car. He just hops in a Ford (laughs) Taurus like he's not a five million dollar murder machine. (laughs) The fucking Robocop drives a Ford Taurus. I didn't know. I never caught on to that until this viewing. And I've seen this movie a lot. I was like, it shook me. Could they not put like wheels on the bottom of those feet? Thank you. Give him some skates. Give him some fucking jets. Like, what is happening? Why does the imagination stop where it stops with Robocop is all I'm saying. Because, like, him getting into a fucking Ford Taurus kind of takes it a little bit off, a little shine off of that. (laughs) That that, that impressive amount of machinery for me. Not even a Maserati. But he rolls up in this Ford Taurus and he sees this woman who's being held and, and, you know, at the risk of assault. And this guy is holding her like, you know, the way when you kind of crack someone's back and you hold them like you kind of bear hug them from behind. Mm -hmm. So he's holding her like that. She's in her 80s finest a long skirt and Robocop. Zeroes in and shoots this guy through her skirt right in the dick. (laughs) And it is. And remains one of the funniest things I've ever seen on film. Because then immediately after that, he's like, you've been assaulted. I'll take you to a rape crisis center. And I'm like, hey, wait, let's back that up a minute. I'm glad you're doing your civic duty here. And that's, you know, kind of you're administering to the emotional needs of this victim. You just shot someone in the dick and you could not even see his legs. That deserves some, a moment. That deserves a moment. I mean, the precision is so fine and really only a robot dad could perfect it thank you he he has three directives as a as a robot dad because he's also starting to get his memory back a little bit yeah and his robot dad is like look i'm gonna serve the public i'm gonna protect the innocent i'm gonna uphold the law that's what i'm gonna do and if that means shooting some dicks i'm shooting some dicks (laughs) it's just what's up he's not he's not playing around so this happens he's starting to kind of remember and he's starting to do like, you know, he's starting to get a name for himself around town. Um, he saved the mayor. The mayor was kind of <laughs> being held by this former employee who, by the way, has the funniest list of demands I've ever heard. First, don't fuck with me. Second, get me a coffee. <laughs> Put that. Like, we both have a T-shirt now that says, remember when Robocop shot that dude in the dick from Pink Bike Ralph? Go for it. Check it out if you want. <laughs> that is the second T-shirt I need. First, don't fuck with me. Second, get me coffee. Okay, exactly. I'm like, can we buy this shirt or make this shirt or own this shirt in some way in the next five seconds? Because I will explode if I don't have it. I would buy them by the gross and wear one literally every day (laughs) for a year, (laughs) only switching them out once. Yes. (laughs) 
I love that guy so much. I also love, there's just so many little moments in this movie that still make me laugh so much that he goes to visit these kids who are like, Ooh, a robot cop. How awesome. And they go to Lee Iacocca elementary school. <laughs> like what? <laughs> They're really reaching in the bag for that. <laughs> Fucking Lee Iacocca Elementary School. Again, I don't know why that makes me laugh. Because it's so does. 80s. It's so 80s. There's probably listeners right now that have no idea who Lee Iacocca is. Look him up and you'll understand why this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and then also that Nukem game that they have a commercial for. Uh-huh. Where it's like this family sitting around and it's almost like the game of life. If the game of life was about trying to wipe out your family. Yeah. <laughs> so this game is just so weird. And I also love they have a runner. They've got space for a runner. Again, hour and a half. This movie is 30 minutes of setup, an hour of ass kicking and about 10 minutes of a runner. And yeah. the runner is this TV show where uh-huh. this guy looks at the camera and he says, I'd buy that for a dollar. Again, so 80s. It yeah. hurts. Yeah. And Lisa Gibbons, who Lisa is, Gibbons. Uh, plays one of the. Um, uh, what is it? The news reporters that comes on every so often. Exactly. Lisa Gibbons. Entertainment <laughs> Pre- Tonight for all you. Entertainment Tonight. <laughs> for all you 80s kids. <laughs> All you 80s kids, pour one out for Jane Pauly and Lisa Gibbons. <laughs> they did a lot of heavy lifting and you know it. Our evening hours and morning morning for hours real. as well. Um, so Lewis, he comes, you know, Robocop comes back to the precinct and and Lewis is like, look, your name's Murphy. And he was like, huh? Starts going on the fritz, <laughs> starts remembering shit, does like a very existential crisis sort of tour of his old house he like he really goes through it once he realizes who he is and then naturally as you do you get to see robocop at the club (laughs) because he's now he's now on the hunt for this crew of guys who murdered him he's like seeing faces and remembering shit and he's also just busting into police records and being like here let me download my memory real quick again 87 let me download my memory real quick Oh, what's this face? He belongs in this crime syndicate. Cool. Now I know where they all work and who they all work for. So he goes to the club, snatches up Ray Wise. Yeah. This is while Dick Jones, by the way, is on a fucking rampage. He heard um, Morton, who's again, Miguel Ferrer. He heard him just saying that he was old and he kind of heard this guy talking shit about him Mm -hmm. in the bathroom. So he blows him up with a grenade. Who hasn't been there before? (laughs) He sends Clarence Boddicker to blow him up with a grenade. So now Clarence comes face to face with fucking Robocop. And he's like, look, I work for Dick Jones. And Dick Jones is like, look, Robocop, I know you've come here to confront me about working with this crime syndicate. But I've also added a little something to your programming where you could never arrest an executive of OCP. Dastardly. Dastardly deed. But without that, without that, we would not get the RoboCop versus Ed 209 fight that we so desperately deserved. And it comes to a shocking and untimely end because nobody knew that Ed 209 couldn't take the stairs. Oof. That's how this robot goes down. This machine gun arm killing machine is like, oh, I can't. He, you see him like trying to take a little baby step and he can't do it. And then he just falls over and that's it. Robocop wins. Yeah. He's like a turtle on its back. Exactly. He's completely fucked. <laughs> exactly. 
it is incredible. I wish the guy who got shot for nine minutes straight knew that about him. Just run down some steps and he would be, you'll be fine. Yeah. So then we get now that Robo, now that Robocop's getting his full memories back and he's in revenge mode. And Lewis is like, cool, let's do this. So they go to get Clarence and there's a showdown at the steel mill where they, where they all hang out. And um, Paul McCrary's character, Emil, this is one of, okay, besides him shooting that guy in the dick, this is the scene that stayed with me the most as a, as a child and an adult. Because mm-hmm. Emil is like, cool, he's like, usually drives the van, everyone else is scattering, they're trying to find Robocop, he has this real tender moment with Lewis where he's like, let me take off my helmet and show you my skin flaps. And she's like, oh, you were such a good cop. And then <laughs> Emil tries to run him down and Robocop is not having it. Gives him the slip and Emil plows face first. If a van can have a face, he plows face first into a vat of toxic waste that's clearly just always hanging around steel mills. You know how they do. You know, always. Give me that vat of toxic waste. As if that's not bad enough. He comes crawling out of this sludge like the toxic fucking Avenger and is asking for help. And his friends are like, absolutely not, dude. He is like a hanging. That's the part that stayed with me. He's like hanging on people. His fingers have melted to twice the length. His face is super melty. And he's like, help me. And Ray Wise is like, nah, and like pushes him to the ground. Oh, man. He looks so gnarly in this scene. <laughs> I was kind of like, yeah, I'm going back to the club. See you later. <laughs> absolutely like, terrible he's like i will not be here for any part of this yeah it was cool knowing you i'm glad we got to blow up some cars together with that weird cannon gun the other night <laughs> but like i'm out and in the end robocop of course gets his man mm-hmm. of course but and i'm not gonna spoil the end. like actually maybe i am it's fine like i said fine. we've had a very hectic days and i don't even know what i'm saying right now it's Do fine it. This movie ends so abruptly because he's like, I caught my man. And then they're like, time for a catchphrase. And he's like, yup, turns, gives a little catchphrase and he's out. Wow. And I think what they were setting up was like multiple sequels in that moment. Duh. Yeah. Like if you really want to know what Robocop is doing after he gets down and dirty and starts having his memory and showing his skin flaps, Ugh. you got to come back for part two. If you wanted the Ugh. emotional roller coaster of this Robocop two is on one in such a fucking deep way. I mean, talk about a sequel. Like we just talked about Terminator 2, RoboCop 2. Man, that is an event. I mean, it's <laughs> there the storyline goes completely weird and like, you know, because when this movie came out, RoboCop was like a fucking hero and there was like action figures and he was like on kids fucking sheets. I mean, it was like he's like a phenomenon. And of course they knew that shit when they did the sequel and it was just, they really doubled down on it and it's hilarious. It's hilarious. So fun. We're going to do another action movie episode and maybe we'll do RoboCop two. Oh my God. I watched it. I watched it very recently and I was like, this is fucking weird as shit. (laughs) Just weird as shit. The whole like little kid drug pin, little kid drug kingpin guy. I'm like, damn, what in the hell is this movie? 
we have to talk about it in an episode holy shit now that's all i want to talk about and look i haven't seen i have not seen any terminator beyond terminator 2 i know there's yeah. one with christian bale i know they keep making them i think one with uh, matt smith your honey matt yeah. smith i know but i still haven't i don't i don't like seeing matt smith like sweaty i don't know what it is <laughs> i don't like i don't like him sweaty i like him kind of like in a cool british chill yeah when he's sweaty i get very nervous he doesn't he's just he looks yeah i don't know i'm gonna see it i'm gonna basically re-watching t2 has made me want to dig back into this universe and i will do the same for robocop yeah me me too i actually thought that too i was like oh i should watch like everything else because there was like the whole tv show about sarah connor and that i <laughs> didn't watch but need to so yeah i'm with you um, i think we should just dig in i know I know. And like, oh, the, the I think that the Terminator franchise went a little longer than the Robocop did. But who the fuck knows? There was a remake, a Robocop remake. Yeah. I never saw that. So I mean, look, we're already on our remake vibe. I know. Having just footloosed and footloosed. Listen, that might have to be the next. Maybe we do a theme for that. Yeah. <laughs> Robocop and Robocop. Who plays the new Robocop? God, I want to say. It's like James a hottie, Corden. hottie guy. Um, <laughs> it's not like James a, Corden. <laughs> like a fucking like hottie guy, like a Chris, a Chris. Oh, uh, that's some what makes Chris? you nervous because they I just start know. plugging in Chris's and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> it's like, wait, Robocop. When was it? 24 or 2014? 2014. Yeah, it is. Is it Joel? I don't know. It, I was close. It's Joel something. I don't know who this is. Joel Edgerton. Joel. No kinnaman swedish american actor hmm. oh was he that guy in the killing did you ever see that show he was in the informer easy money the killing that's right suicide squad i know who he is all right i'm in because joel kinnaman is fine yeah that's what i'm saying i'm like oh look at mm, hello i will give it a goddamn photo. shot yeah there you go i cannot wait and i really I think it's going to be the focus of my career now to redo the RoboCop series in rewrite some movies in a way that makes me feel good about myself. Yeah, of course. I'm just going to call my agent and be like, RoboCop, do it. Yeah. God, I love that. I love that power. And she'll be like, ma'am, I am not doing that. You have no credentials <laughs> at all to write this fucking movie. <laughs> Um, I think your credentials was the last like 30, 45 minutes. So there you go. Thank you, Millie. That's that's a real ass friend. Yeah, I'm telling you. Listen, I had a fucking blast on this episode. Um, I love Robot Dads. Um, both these movies are absolute classics. I love them to pieces. And I think it's perfect for Father's Day. I mean, shit, like we got a, we got two robots who still <laughs> managed to feel and learn, learn how yeah. to feel yeah and grow and evolve listen to this episode with your dad is all we're saying if you have one i don't i will find someone to listen to it with i'll just pull someone off the street and be like look here's what's up what kind of dad are you gonna be are you gonna be terminator dad or robocop dad because guess what they're both great choices i just want to make sure i'm sending you out in this world prepared i'm happy to do it i'm grabbing my nearest neighbor and we're gonna robocop down there you go well do you want to announce the films for next week yeah oh i can't wait for y'all to watch these films back to back as intended our first 
film for next week is A Woman Under the Influence from 1974. And your second film is Gaslight from 1944. Try to guess the theme. What could it be now? Um, all right. Well, listen, if you enjoyed this episode and you for some reason want merch, we have merch available on the exactly right shop. It's exactly right. Media.com. Do it. Um, oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot how to end this episode. Uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, we also have bonus episodes. Um, we have bonus episodes on Stitcher Premium exclusively. So please do yourself a favor. Use our promo code. Sign up for a free month. Promo code is SAW. And listen to the action movies one. Super fun. We yeah. talk about Arnold. We talk about The Raid. I mean, hello. Could talk about it all day long. Have you uh, seen it yet? Are you watching it this weekend? Watch it with your dad. I will watch it this weekend. I'll watch it with my mom. How about that? <laughs> okay. Even goddamn better. Mother's Day yeah. is every day. Watch the raid with your mom. <laughs> and not my dad. Wait. Just my and, mom. And FaceTime me in. That's what I you're will. doing for Father's Day is watching the raid with your mom. <laughs> exactly. While he, uh, while he sits out on the porch <laughs> watching golf. <laughs> he will go fishing i will be doing a badass thing with my mom so this is all i ask danielle as always it's a fucking pleasure so glad to be here with you so fun and thank you everybody for listening see you next time This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi. Our engineer is Annalise Nelson. Our social media manager is Taryn Mazza. Our theme song is by Tom Bryfogel. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at IsawPod. Email us at IsawWhatYouDidPod at Gmail. And please don't forget to listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. What is wrong with your eyes?